Welcome to the Chasing Sunday podcast. Once again, it is Paul Romick-Levitt. And I'm Brian Davis. I don't have a hyphenated last name. No. And we are Torn Curtain Arts. We are Torn no. Curtain Arts. No. <laughs> no, we, we do this podcast uh, for uh, for worship leaders and people that uh, that share the, the creative space in ministry um, just to help get you off the treadmill yeah. of running from Sunday to Sunday because it is exhausting. Um, and it's insidious how quickly yeah. it just like slides into every little nook and cranny of mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. that will especially the crannies especially the crannies the crannies are always like they need more than just butter yeah they're just always saying yeah. come on I pay mean, attention to me yeah the nooks are like they're they're pretty easily satisfied but those crannies i just think of insatiable i just think of english muffins yep. now yep yep i'm hungry of the commercial yeah That's it. It, like it's nooks all the nooks, nooks and crannies uh so we want yeah we, That's we, how we, we start we care we care deeply about the hearts and the souls of of worship leaders and 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 people that are they're helping to create uh within the church um and, and so uh so yeah that's what that's why this this podcast exists and we're so grateful that you have taken some time uh to listen to it uh throughout the season uh we're going to be exploring uh some some pretty deep subject matter mm-hmm. uh as it relates to our spiritual health as it relates to uh our health and ministry uh how we relate to our families how we relate to our friends all that kind of stuff because it all when you're in ministry all of that stuff just gets lumped together um and it can we can develop some pretty unhealthy patterns and habits over time if we don't stop for a second and say wait, what am I doing here? And and one of the things that, that often gets neglected first uh, is is the soul, yeah. um, which is, you know, we, we were having a conversation before we hit record, like the soul is such a like nebulous topic. You right. Know? There's like, a what, lot of debate. What exactly is the soul? Right. Like what, what, and so, um, but, but we all know like, when something is out of sorts or when something is 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 running rampant within mm-hmm. us um and things are are just out of place like we we can't put our finger on it and so we're like maybe maybe, maybe it's my soul mm-hmm. maybe my soul is screwed up mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. and and so i think it's really important this is i think might be the most important thing that that we that we talk about yes when it comes to uh when it comes to these four big topics that we're going to cover uh this season and those are the soul the heart the mind and the strength as outlined in in the the Shema in Deuteronomy and in in Matthew when when Jesus talks about um you know what what's the most important thing like right. you should love the Lord with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength and I want to want to back up just a bit because what we're talking about is the green room, right. which is something we started last year. Mm-hmm. And the green room is this space in which we're trying to cultivate a space for creatives mm-hmm. to um, grow, develop, um, practice yep. uh, these um, tenants, these principles. We call them the four pillars of the green room. Mm-hmm. Like Brian mentioned, it was based on the Shema. But each one of those kind of in sequence – uh, helps us become better leaders for ourselves, um, for the communities that we lead, um, and it just generally makes us happier people. Yeah. Um, which uh, I'm not afraid to admit that I want to be happy. I, I think it's probably yeah. a new thing for me that I've actually <laughs> said said that. I was yeah. like, actually, I do want to be happy. I do want to. I don't want to be um, uh, martyr the rest yeah. of my life. Yeah. You know, I do want to be happy. And um, what what we we believe is important, like Brian mentioned, is the sequence is we start with soul. It is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't start with strength because last week we talked about the cycle of works and the cycle of grace being two ways to move through the world. And the world, I believe, says, no, you got to start with strength. How do I get stronger? How right. do I do things faster? How do right. I do things better? Give me the five steps, the three steps, lose the weight, um, become more productive, all that kind of stuff. Give me the hack. Right. And I think the way of Christ, the way of Jesus reverses that and says, 
what if you stop trying so hard and get more curious about the nebulous, ambiguous parts of yourself right. that are going on? And that's what we want to dedicate some time to talking about. And um, maybe you've heard conversations like this before, but they felt good for a while and you go, hmm, that's really interesting. Or yeah, that feels really true. And then you forget about it and you're just sort of like, ah, it doesn't, it's so esoteric, it doesn't really have to do with my life at all. Right. Right. So, yeah, I, I, while the, you know, the cycle of works and, and you know, it, it basically says the most important thing about you is what you do. Yes. And what you produce. Right. Um, and, and the cycle of grace um, basically starts with, no, the most, the most important thing about you is, is who you belong to, mm. is, is who is is who loves you mm. <laughs> like and the most important thing about you is is that you are loved mm. not if you can be loved or if you can do enough things to earn love no it's the most important thing about you is that you are loved right so being versus doing right right that's absolutely a big, that's absolutely a big switch yeah and and that i think is what <laughs> what God has been saying to his people from the beginning. Right. It's not new. Yeah. That's what he's been <laughs> like. No, the, you, you, you think that the most important thing about you is, 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 you know, that you can name animals or that you can, you know, or Giraffe. that you can, good job, Shark. Paul. You're very important. <laughs> <laughs> I did too. You did. You did a great job. Both mammals. Platypus. <laughs> no, sharks aren't mammals. They are, are sharks mammals. Because they breathe air. Oh yeah, and they give live birth. Yeah, weird. But they have gills. They do have They're gills. Fish, and I think that's part of the. They don't breathe wa- water, do they? They're fish. Well, the, yeah, but they, my whole world is crumbling. <laughs> but this is Seals. all part of the great mystery that we're going to try to unravel <laughs> I today. I can't even get that right. <laughs> Naming animals, <laughs> and that's why it's so important, Paul. That you are just loved. I'm. I belong. You are loved. I, it was like God is like God bless <laughs> that idiot. Good we'll thing, feed him. Good thing I didn't start with him. <laughs> anyway, so so yeah, that's and and the thing is, is like when we when we start from that place, it can change everything about us I, mm-hmm. it can change everything about the way that we uh, that we walk through life the way that we operate in ministry right. the way that we the way that we lead when we stand on a stage in front of people the way that we love our families the way that we that we go about relationships outside of you know outside of marriage and and all that kind of stuff like it's it it can inform and change and transform every everything about us right um but the problem is is that we just don't take the time or the space to explore it because we're chasing sunday because we are like there's another sunday on the way so i need to i need to really lean into mind and strength i need to lean into all the strategies and planning and and all that kind of stuff and and make sure that that Sunday just works, you know, because there's another one coming after that one, you know? And so we, we feel like it's so vitally important to, to take some time and say like, okay, what is, what is the soul? And, and how do I tend to my soul? How do I care for it? Um, and, and so that's what we're going to unpack in this episode. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, so what do we what do what do we mean by when we talk about the soul? What I mean, there's so many definitions. There's a lot of debate. Yeah, there's a lot of people, and it's not. I'm sorry if you're listening this far into the podcast and you're like, okay, great, they're finally going to give us the definition, at least their definition of the soul. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry you wasted your time. Right. Yeah. Uh, but we are going to talk around some definitions about the soul. Yeah. What different writers, thinkers, theologians, um talk about when they, you know, what they mean when they talk about the soul and, and definitions that really feel true to us. Yeah. They feel like they're, they're pointing us into the right direction. Um, I will say that, um, from the outset, what we are inviting you into is not another world of definitions, Mm -hmm. but of tensions, um, and mysteries to get yourself into. Okay. We're not going to, the soul cannot be something that you're looking for to um own and control 
and put into a way that's going to like, okay, great. Now that I know what my soul is, I can get some, I'm sorry. Can I cuss on the podcast on this one? We we do. We, we do. We, okay. Yeah. We can get some shit done. Um, yeah. Now that I've got my soul right. Right. Um, that is obviously not the point, but we still right. treat it that way. Absolutely. Like, um, and there are, like, I think it's fascinating when we get to the, the mind section, it is actually the mind part of the practice that helps free up some real tangible ways to invest in our soul. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why they need to be be partnered. But first, I think we need to sit with the with the ambiguity, the inconvenience right. of wrestling with what our soul yeah. is. So, walk yeah. us through a little bit. Like, what are some of the ideas when we're talking about the soul? What do we mean by that? Yeah, I, I think for me, uh, when I think about the soul, I think about the soul as sort of the the seat of our identity, mm-hmm. like who we really are deep down. Um, and, and to, to, to speak to what you were saying, you know, we, we love personality tests, right? Yeah. Like we, we're, I think as a Everybody's society, done an Enneagram. We're, yeah, we're addicted to Enneagram, yeah. Myers-Briggs, like all these things that, that we do because we want, we want definitions. We want something yes. that can say like, oh, that explains it. Yes. Like that explains it. And so we, we, we think like, okay, I, I took the Enneagram. I, I've got my four letters from Myers-Briggs. Like th- this is me. Like this is, this is it. Mm-hmm. And, and so then we think, okay, soul fixed. I can go about my work. I can go start getting some stuff done. Like, because all of it is great. And then we get frustrated when, Somewhere along the line, something evolves <laughs> some, or, or something else happens in our lives that blindsides us that, that wasn't covered in – like that, that – there's nothing in INFP that helps me deal with this thing. So is it all garbage or did something change and something evolve or something maybe got awakened in us that – that all of a sudden, like all those definitions don't matter anymore. And so we, that's why it's, it's so important to, I think, stay away from some of those definitions Mm -hmm. and, and think of them more as descriptions. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and this, okay. So this is, this is a way that I'm going like, perhaps this is a way that I will respond when something like this happens to me because of these things that, that dwell within me, that dwell within my soul. Um, and so, that's that's kind of where if if I could define it, which I can't, uh, so I would describe it as like the it's the seed of our identity. It's the it's the thing that God put inside us at the very beginning and said, like, you're you're my beloved. And there are gonna be a whole lot of things that happen, and there are gonna be a whole lot of things that that go on in this world. That are going to make marks on that. That are going to that are going to cause that to to evolve and shape and form, um, but it's never fully done. Like, but the very seed of it, the very root of it, is the very seed of it is the fact that you are beloved. Right. You be, because because I love you. You are. Yeah, I think what where my mind is kind of going to is is in screenwriting and playwriting. Um, a big name, a guru would be Robert McKee. And Robert McKee talks about how to create a good story. Mm. Um, at the foundation of it, you need a controlling idea. Right. Every story has a controlling idea. And I think then every life has a controlling idea because movies or plays or whatever, it, one particular writer or a group of writer um, creating context for life. They're saying life has this meaning because this is a story and it mm-hmm. has a beginning, middle, and end. By the end, you think you, you have to think like the character's life goes unchanged from the end of the movie. So mm-hmm. that's their death. So that's how things end for you. Mm-hmm. The controlling idea, I would say, that helps give the context for what we mean by a soul, I think is um, love is the highest truth. Mm. I would say that's the controlling idea that I think I have in my life. It's mm-hmm. sort of like it, then the counter idea is the other one that shapes the story is, okay, so if I'm asserting that love is the is the bottom, is the basement, the ground of being for all of the universe, the counter idea would be, no, 
nothingness is, mm. uh, emptiness is, uh, randomness, uh, right. not non-meaning, non-being would be the the opposite side of that spectrum. Mm. So from the from the assumption that we ha- we I think Brian and I are having is like the assumption is our universe is held together because of love. Mm-hmm. How the mechanics of that work, right? Whether it was a big bang or God spoke uh, these words and this is what we have, whether it happened billions of years ago or 6,000 years ago, like, <laughs> which is, I'm just going to say it's crazy. Sorry. <laughs> if you're listening to me and you're like a young earth person, you found the wrong dial. I don't want to be judgy, but I'm just going to be like, ah, oh, you're going to be so disappointed in us right? Um, and frustrated and angry and leave comments. I get, don't know if you're going to get, leave. Nobody's going to leave line. comments to Get us. in line. There are <laughs> plenty of people disappointed. But anyway, us. that's what I'm saying is like this idea about the soul being your belovedness mm-hmm. is the ground of being. Yeah. It is the center of your identity. Mm-hmm. It is not just it is it is shaped by your relationship yeah. this idea of belonging mm-hmm. the belonging to the divine lover the divine source the whatever you want to the the names and the unnaming of god that is which you belong to your definition comes in that relationship does that make sense Is too esoteric there no i think that's i think that's fine because it it, it is a it's an esoteric thing, which I think right. is why we don't take time. Yeah. We don't, you know, like you said, if 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 love is is the root of existence, then the opposite of it would have to be, you know, this nothingness. Right. We're not comfortable with either of those. Uh-huh. Because they both take too much of our brain power to to explore, you yeah. know? So it's like, wait, I'm I'm just I am I am love like I yeah, I'm, right. I'm I'm beloved but that doesn't that doesn't make sense to me because I've done all these things and all these things have happened to me but I also don't like so then the other the other way to think about it is then everything is just nothing and meaningless like that's not satisfying either I need to find a way to fill that to to fill in that gap like I need to find a way to fill that void yeah I don't want to I don't want to stop long enough to think about the implications of either being deeply loved and formed out of love and 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 living in love and out of love i don't want to think about nothingness so i have to occupy occupy my time with something so i'm going to fill it with stuff like i'm going to fill it with accomplishments i'm going to fill it with with amazing work i'm going to fill it with art i'm going to fill it with you know with having kids, I'm going to fill it with getting a house and a car and a great job and Mm -hmm. all those things. And, and we, we don't, we just, we can't stop. (laughs) We can't stop ourselves from, from running after those things. And those would be, I would say, and I think this is, so one, one theologian that's been really influential to me and helping me shape that idea is Paul Tillich, Mm. who, who articulates a ground of being, um, what that's what it's called a, a sort of a a philosophy of existence is that that God is the ground of being um and 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 so this idea of chasing achievement um anxiety existential anxiety come from a fear that's woven into being human that what if this is meaningless mm. what if this it's it's our fear it's like okay because of the presence of a reality that there may be love is the is the uh, the ground of being. Mm-hmm. The opposite is our fear. Mm-hmm. You know, so it goes. So then, if it's all meaningless, or I I, I wrestle with the, the the anxiety between being having to earn my love and then just being accepted. We work these things out. Well, because we I, I have think, anxiety. yeah, I think as as human beings, we're very distrustful of anything that we get for free. Yes, like, and it seems so counterintuitive, but because like the best the best things in life are free, you know, like, <laughs> like but 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 that's, that's the thing, like true, right? No. <laughs> right? Like we 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 live in a society, yeah. Uh, and where where you have to earn what you get, 
Like you, ha- you have to have worked hard for it. Uh-huh. You have to have done it. And and now all of a sudden, like you know, these two jokers on a podcast are going to come in and and tell me like, no, you were given love at the very be- before you did anything. Right. right. You were created out of love. Yeah. Like it, it, it's and it's always there. It's always available to you. And 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 so we. Our brains, I don't think, are able to comprehend it, and so we we think, okay, well, uh, I, I'm just, I'm going to do something to try to earn it. Then, like, right. because if if someone finds out that I was just given this gift, and 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 I didn't have to work for it, I'll get in trouble. I'll get in trouble. Yeah, they're going to be so mad at me. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is like that. What if instead I turn that around and say, like, no, actually. The same thing is inside you. Mm-hmm. You are given the exact same thing. You were given this free gift too. Like, but how, isn't it how funny? would we live then? Like, but then wh- isn't it funny if that were the case? It would. It would. The way our brains work, it would make what I have less valuable. Right. Right. Because it was like, like oh, oh wait, then no. everybody can Every, have it. Everybody. Oh, everybody gets it. Great. Great. Like, Jesus is the one oh, who just doesn't have any any yeah. standards. Right. Any anybody can have this stuff. So I don't. I actually don't want it. Right. If it's worth like that. Right. Isn't that fascinating? It is how fascinating. I, yeah. Or, yeah, where we think like, yeah, like we, I don't want to think that you, because of, because I also, I know the things that you did. Like I, I know yeah. all the horrible things that have gone on in your life. Right. Why, why should you have gotten that for free? Like it's just so screwed up. Well, like, and it speaks to that scarcity mentality. It's just right. kind of like there is not enough. Right. For both of us, there's not enough love to go around. You yeah. know, there yeah. and and somebody's going to be a winner and somebody's going to be a loser, right? Um, and 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 it's toxic to our souls, right. and we we're so deep in it that we don't even know right. which direction is out, right? And so it comes as such a provocative shock, yeah. And we dismiss it as like um, so hippy dippy woo woo oh, crap yeah. kind yeah. of stuff. Yep. When we hear it. That when, and I'm here from not just like uh, Tillich, but T.R. Dishardan and Elia Dilio and other writers who are like, actually, no, in a very um, molecular level, um, in biology and on atomic levels, what we can try and figure out is actually the only thing that keeps things together is love. Right. <laughs> it's so crazy, but right. like not in this woo-woo way, but it is love that is driving us forward. Um, that um, we just have so many defense mechanisms to keep us away from really believing and accepting that. Right. Um, yeah. I think to to kind of boil down what you said, like love, love in its essence is just elemental. It is. Like it's not something that you can, like that we can conjure up. It's not something, it just is it just exists yeah. and we don't we don't like that you know and so like for you to say like it's the ground that we stand on yeah i can't i cannot reject the ground that i stand on like i it, it just is it it's just there like i get up in the morning and i put my feet down on it you know um and that, i don't i don't float when i sleep i'm mm-hmm. always i'm always on the ground i don't want you to think that i'm like you he know. sleeps standing up. I sleep. I sleep standing up. I sleep floating in nothingness. It's like, uh, what's Brian doing? <laughs> he's like staring at the wall. No, he's asleep. No, he's he's asleep. He's recharging. Actually. Yeah. Um. So I know that these are very. You know, it, it it's a it's a mystery. Yeah. The soul is a deep mystery. Well, yeah, and I'm sorry and, to keep, but on that, it's like we also want to think it's solid, right? But Solid is also a myth, right? Because it's nothing is actually solid. We right. we're sitting at a table with microphones right. and everything like that. the The reality is the molecules are moving slow enough that right. the perception is solid, right? But it's not actually solid, right? And we we also think that we are separate from right. a chair and a table, right? But it's because of the way our molecules are moving differently <laughs> that keep us right from merging into those. <laughs> into a chair and stuff. Right. So this is the way I think love is. It's dynamic. Right. It is both separate and enmeshed. Right. 
in all of creation, right. in all of existence. Yeah. I I know that sounds super crazy, right. but, but yes. But that's a th- like we're we're all this I think this is a great image because we're all trying to explain it and we can't. Yeah. Like even you know, even scientists, you know, we're they're trying to they're trying to find out like What's between the things, you know, like yeah. what's, what is at the center of all of it? And what they're finding is they keep going deeper into the center of things is that they're, they just keep finding more space. And then, okay, well, what's, what's between those things? There's, there's more space. What's between that space? More space. And, and so, yeah, so it's, it, it is both helpful and completely fruitless to try to define or even describe these things. And so I think for, for our purposes, the best thing that we can do is just say, at the root of you is love. That is what, that is what God intended from the very beginning, is at the very center of you, the very core of your identity, the very, the very, the very smallest kernel of your soul is love. That is who you are. That is what you were created to be. Um, and so I think if we, if we can start there, <laughs> if, if that makes any sense, <laughs> and it, it, it probably never will, but if for a moment we can just say like, okay, at the very middle of me is love. And I think that there, if we're thinking about, so then what does, how does that function within the green room? How does that function within, we do bring it into some sort of concept. We bring it into a a tangible thing so that it's not just this, we can get lost in reflection and contemplation forever. Right. Um, We, we do this as a way, like, um, to remind us that this cannot be controlled. Right. It can only be. I would say it's sanctified. Um, the what what comes to mind is um, Abraham Heschel, uh, and, and he's writing that um, time can't be controlled; it can only be sanctified. That the first time something is declared holy in Scripture, it is not about a mountain or a or a temple or a space, but that God declares time as the first thing that is holy. That is the first thing that is that is set apart. So we have to um, set apart this idea of the soul as mm. a, a place that cannot be um, hijacked by utility. Mm. Um, it can only be sanctified and explored and and known. And that's that's the thing, like kind of like in a relationship, a sure. little bit. Yeah, yeah. It it, it it's. Because it is something wholly other yes. <laughs> from anything that we can understand, the the best we can do is is relinquish control right. of of trying to manage it or or you know manipulate it in any way, and just accept that it is a mystery, right. and dive into it as often as we can and protect it. Like that's the thing about sure. it. it's like we because it is holy and other like the idea of sanctifying is is that we set something apart yes we divide we we remove it from the rest of of life we remove it and we's like i'm not going to treat this time the way i treat my work right. time my family time anything else like that right. because and we go well what what do the boundaries around something holy mean right um and and you said something before we were we were uh on the mic, we were talking about being like we first have to notice and name it. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, t- say more. Yeah, so I think that I, at least for me, and I, I know that I'm not alone in this, but I'll just speak for myself. I am a real. I'm really good at judging the things that I notice mm. that I'm doing, or that I notice that are going on in my heart and in my mind. Um, and, you know, I'll see something, I'll point it out and say like, no, that's, that's stupid, Brian, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't think that. Um, and that just, that just perpetuates this really unhealthy cycle right. of like, okay, so if that's, if, if what I'm doing or thinking or saying is wrong, then I, I need to, I need to do something to change it. Like I, I, so, so I'm going to instantly go from judging into productivity 
into utility, into like, okay, yeah. so so here, what are all the things that I have to do to fix this, you know? And and that's that's exhausting. Yeah. Um, it it's not really redemptive in any way, the way that I think God wants things in our lives to be redeemed. Um, and so this this practice of noticing and naming as opposed to judging and shaming. Should Ooh, I write? I like that. Um, you know, I'm a poet <laughs> and I didn't know. Um, so noticing just means like I'm going to see this thing, whether that's in my soul, whether that's in my heart, whether it's a thing that I do and say like that is a thing. You know, like I notice that that I do this thing or I react in this way when something happens to me. And I just, instead of beating myself up about it, I'm going to notice it and say, oh, there it is. Uh, it is it is this thing. Uh-huh. And then I'm going to go about my day, uh-huh. you know, and I'm going to, in some ways, just hand that over and say, like, I, there's nothing that I can do to fix this right now. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to say, like, God, here you go. Like, I noticed it. I named it. Can you do something with it? Yeah. <laughs> it might not be right now. Or even but it's I'm, just that fact of noticing and naming it that right. actually is the thing that you do. Right. It is the action. It yeah. is not the the thing that you do that allows the action to happen. Right. It is the thing you do. Right. And what, what occurred to me even as you were talking is like you are actually noticing and naming when you're judging and shaming. Sure. You're just not doing it intentionally. Right. It's, it's unconscious. Right. That you're just – and obviously – the noticing and naming are horrible stories about yourself. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're the thing is like, oh, stop it because you are garbage. Right. And you are terrible or you are sinful or all those sort of yeah. things. The noticing and naming allows you to contextualize the truth. Right. Those things do happen and those things are done by you. Right. But you're like, okay, that is the part of you. Right. That was shaped by this, mm-hmm. and it be- and it's part of you, right? But it's not the deepest part. It's of not you. the deepest part of you. You know, yeah. it is also there with this thing, right? And I'm going to intentionally notice and name it. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to noticing and naming your soul, it is on the positive side, right? It is like I am preserving. Mm-hmm. I'm making with intention a space for myself, my yeah. true identity, my yeah. my deepest identity. Yeah. To be noticed yep. and named, right. and I'm going to keep that holy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm reading a book right now, self to lose, self defined. It's it's about the Enneagram, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a little bit deeper dive mm. uh, into into Enneagram stuff. But uh, the author talks about like there is this seed within all of us, but over time, like you know, things that happen to us, things that that are said to us, uh, things that we do, all that, like it creates this protective coat around that original seed, you know, and, and, and that protective coat is, is really the false self. It's the adapted self. It's the things that we have, it's the things that we have done and and created Mm. to protect that, you know, Mm -hmm. that original kernel, Mm -hmm. uh, that, that original love, you know, and, and, and those things over time will, will still like, they'll start to build up they'll start to build up and, and eventually like it's harder and harder to get down to that original mm-hmm. kernel. But, but what noticing and naming does and what, you know, what diving into and doing, you know, examining our souls and, 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 and trying to find out, you know, the why behind why, you know, the things that we do and all of that, it starts to, you know, it starts to peel away those outer layers enough. So, so that the original seed can start to, start to break through yeah, and start to not only grow up, but grow down and take root. Right. Um, and, and that's, I mean, I'm not a botanist, but that's apparently how seeds work. Um, and so, uh, you know, and so we, when we take that time and we, and we put in the, I don't even want to say effort because that makes it sound like it's something that we have to strive for. But when we take that time and we, maybe we stop striving to fix all those things, that, that outer shell begins to sort of melt away and, and, and the, the, the original kernel of, of that seed begins to grow. And yeah. we see, we see that fruit and we see that goodness, which is 
the ultimate goal. Like the ultimate goal is not to like achieve all these great things so that we can be accepted by other people. The original, the, the, the goal of all of this love is fruit is, is for fruit to be born, yeah. you know? And, 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 and so we want that, that kernel, that seed of love to take fruit and bear good fruit. Yeah. Um, for, which therefore produces more seeds. Right. Which produces right. more seeds. And, and, um, and so, yeah. And well, that, I think just to keep it in the botanical, actually, you know, yeah, yeah. what, what you were saying made me picture the image of, um, uh, eucalyptus is, the word means uh, covering because that seed is covered by the outer part of the of the plant. Uh, eucalyptus Greek for for to cover. Apocalyptic mm. is to unveil, unveil. Right. Uh, is to reveal. Yeah. So we think of apocalypse obviously in such negative ways, but right. it's not negative, right? Especially when we talk about the soul, right? When we cultivate places for apocalyptics right we we see behind the veil mm-hmm. and i think sometimes we we make value judgments on both what is uncovered and what is covered right it's actually both are really important right. pieces mm-hmm. of the process yeah it's just we 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 tend to value one thing over another but god doesn't value both uh you know uh in a hierarchy right he is like, no, there's the seed, there's the covering, and then there's the uncovering that is all part of your growth and development. Right. When that seed becomes fruit, mm-hmm. its fruit is going to reveal itself right. in a seed and a covering yep. that needs to be uncovered. And this process is the love right. that that happens. And I and I think what we what we were discussing uh is that we are pretty good. We've gotten good at the craft of walking people through these processes, mm-hmm. walking people through these spaces right. of apocalyptics right. and helping them. But we're we're quite shit at doing it for ourselves. Doing it for ourselves, yeah. Um, yeah, that seems to be the, you know, again, speaking for myself, but also knowing that this is, this is an experience that a lot of other worship leaders have been through. Um, I... I have gotten really good. I've made a living out mm-hmm. of, uh, and and I, you could probably say the same thing, Paul. Yeah. I have made a living out of creating sp- those spaces for people to to examine their souls. I create those spaces for other people. I'm really, really good at that. Um, it, that sounded kind of egotistical. Um, but we but, were but using I'm, music and we right. were using – which yeah. tools are – We use music and we use, you know, we use the environment, you know, of, of the room and, and all that yeah. kind of stuff to create these spaces for other people. Yeah. But I, I'm horrible at doing that for myself. Yeah. I will not – yeah, I'll just say that. I will not do it for myself sometimes. Yeah. Um, and whether that's because I'm afraid of what I'll see or whether it's because I don't have time or whether because I think, you know, the the corporate experience is far more important than my personal experience, those are things that I'm probably going to have to wrestle with on my own if I take the time to, well, you know. Um, yeah. But but I am – I'm really good at saying like this this is for you. I made, right. I made this thing for you. Um, I, I – yeah, I'm not well, going to do it on my own. Right. But – but here you go. I got you this gift. Right. <laughs> and and I think the reason it's harder for us is because we intellectualize it. Right. We think about it so much. Right. That that becomes a defense against experiencing it. Mm-hmm. And we and we were like, hey, we know this so well and we right. talk about it all the time. And the thing is, the reason what keeps us away is we is our knowledge about it. Right. Is we think uh, and then the shaming, the naming, all the noticing right. about that. It just goes, we're still trying to control it because right. we know about it. Right. But it, uh, there is no level of education that's going to make this easier for you. Right. Right. Everybody from the top down, like I think of like the pinnacle person is like Rich, Father Richard Rohr. Mm. And I go like, if anybody should be able to do this, like, <laughs> right, uh, Papa Richard is going right, to do it. Pop. Um, <laughs> old Dicky Roar, I've heard people call him. Anyway, yep, but yep. but the thing is, he confesses the fact that, and I hear him talk about it on his shows and in through his books. It's like, no, it doesn't get any. I no. wrestle with it in the same level. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, 
it's not something that can be achieved, right. obviously. Yeah. Just back to our point, it's something that has to be surrendered to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of those ways, and you mentioned this, was like, it is silence, Yeah. right? Yeah, I, I think... I believe in, and whether I, I heard this somewhere before or whether this, you know, is my own idea, I believe that the soul thrives in silence. That's so good. Um, in, in silence and, and even in solitude to some extent. Yeah. Um, you know, the, we are, we live in a very distracted and very loud world, especially as worship leaders. Almost everything about what we do <laughs> is sound. Yeah. You know, we're we're making music, yep. we're saying words into a microphone, we are meeting with people, we mm-hmm. are we're mm-hmm. we we are doing all the things that a worship leader does, you know, and and you know, we're we're listening to songs that we want to do, you know, in an upcoming, you know, worship gathering. Like we're we every there is constant sound and noise being pumped into our heads Mm -hmm. and 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 we we have to at some point stop Mm -hmm. and say i i need i need some quiet (laughs) like i you know i a lot of people will ask me like you know what's your you know what's your favorite worship song that's that's out right right now and all that kind of stuff and and i i've stopped feeling ashamed about this Mm -hmm. (laughs) but telling them like I actually don't listen to worship music outside of like what I need to do for my job. Right, me too. I don't even really listen to that much music outside of what I do yeah. for my job. Um, you know, if you're gonna, you go to my car right now when I turn it on, I don't remember what station I was listening to before I got here, but it's either going to be NPR or Sports Talk Radio. <laughs> like because there is I need some space to shut the music off. Um, and we, we, we just get really bad at that because like, and, and, and it's not just, you know, it's not just in our jobs. Like noise is, is a part of our world. You know, you go to a restaurant, there's music playing in the background. You walk through a mall, there's music playing over the loudspeakers. You walk into church. Yep. We are playing music before we start singing music. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like we, Always there. we are on we we have become so uncomfortable with silence yeah. that and and I think we've all been in those situations where you're at a restaurant and like and there's no music. The, and the music's you know, or not not that there's no music from the beginning. It's like there was music when you came in and then the music stopped. And like this sort of like weird, awkward hush falls over the whole restaurant and it's like Where's my blanket? Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. where where is the safety and the protection that 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 provides for our conversations, for our brains? Like, like all of a sudden it's removed, and we're like, oh, this feels really, really weird. You know, we talk about you know what is it every you know every ten minutes like there's a there's a lull in the conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're at a party and everybody's talking, and not all with of a sudden, us, not Go with ahead. us. We just keep it going nonstop. Ah, drives me um, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, Brian, I just wish you would shut up. <laughs> um, and you're not alone, Paul. Um, uh, you know, we we hit those lulls in the conversation, and somebody almost always calls it out. You know, it's yeah. like. Yep. That's well, true. that was, there's the awkward pause, you yep. know, or there's the weird, you know, that, that weird like thing that happened where everything just sort of stopped for a second. Because we're so attuned to the we're noise. We're so attuned to the noise yeah. that silence has become really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I think that our souls, that's one of the reasons that our, that a lot of worship leaders and, and just people in general, that our souls become so tired and so ragged is because we're not, we're not providing a space of silence yeah. for for our soul, a space where we can stop and actually listen for the still small voice of God saying like, hey, remember, mm. you're loved. Remember? Like all this other stuff, like it's all noise and you did some good things. Like that's great. I loved that song that you sang on Sunday. Way to go. Like you had that great conversation, but – and and I think about in the in the stories, the narratives that are shaping our that have shaped our spiritual tradition. Um, one is that of Elijah mm-hmm. being taken to the rock yeah. and shown all these ways where he thought 
God would be speaking in the wind, in the fire. Yeah. No, it was actually in the silence. Yeah. And that is not by accident. That no. was like God speaking as loudly as God could. Yeah. It's like you have to be able to be quiet. Right. And it's because I think because the ego thrives in noise. Mm-hmm. Like, and and we become so aware of the ego's voice in silence mm-hmm. that it's so uncomfortable mm-hmm. for long. I, I mean, I'm a terrible meditator, but it because it's like it's so excruciating to sit for a while mm-hmm. and let the chatter roll off and and let the let your thoughts um pass as if they're cars on a highway, mm-hmm. you know, just letting watching them and just letting them go. That's so hard because you want you're so used to attaching to all of those right. things. Um yeah. I, I think that we have gone so deep into this stuff. <laughs> Is there anything left? No, I, I was gonna say like I I think we we we're also uncomfortable with silence because it's the the voice of the voice of God or the Creator yeah. is not always the first one that we hear. Uh-huh. A lot uh-huh. of times, at least for me, it's it's the accusations, it's the like, or it's it's that voice of productivity saying like, yeah. "What are you doing sitting here? Yeah, you're wasting time." Which is the accuser? Which is the accuser? Yeah, again. You know, like mm-hmm. you 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 have no business. Taking even if it's just ten minutes of shutting, like shutting everything down and just sitting in a silent room for ten minutes, the first voice that comes in is, "Isn't there something you should be doing right now?" And and that is that's like you can shut off all the music, you can shut off all the conversations that you had with other people that are difficult, and still that voice, mm-hmm. like the the second all those other things start to drown out, almost always the first one that you'll hear is, "Get back to work." This is not important, and that is that's the that's the one voice that you have to that you have to notice, notice and name it <laughs> and name it right. And the minute that you do it, I know I, that sounded really horrible. The minute that you do it, it'll just go it'll away. Just go away. It'll just poof. That there is you go. not true. You defeated the devil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> you defeated the final boss, and yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, way to go, Mario. You yeah. did it. It's a me, Mario. I, no. I'm not distracted by my inner monologue at all. Uh, <laughs> is that a fake Italian accent? <laughs> well, here we, ha- we are. We have landed <laughs> we have landed video game references and, now, and fake Italian it's, accents. It's a me, Mario. Nothing offensive uh, here to see. Nothing. <laughs> no, just just go on your way. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah. it's it's you know Henry Nouwen. I I had to get this this quote out. Yes. Um, you know Henry Nouwen in his book Life of the Beloved. Um, he he talks about uh, Jesus's baptism, and and I think this this to me is sort of the root and the crux of of all of this is when Jesus is baptized, he comes out of the water, the Spirit descends like a dove, and a voice is heard saying, "This is my Son, whom I love," and what that translates to is my beloved. Um, this is my son, my beloved. With him, I am well pleased. Each and every one of us has has the same thing said about us. God looks at us and he says, this is my son. This is my daughter. This is, this is my creation whom I love. This is my beloved. And I'm well pleased. This was before Jesus had done any ministry things. I, I think this was probably before he, you know, turned water into wine or did, you know, all these things. Like, you're just, you're beloved. And and the voice of the accuser, now and goes on to point out that the voice that says we're beloved is drowned out by, quote, louder voices saying, prove that you're worth something. Do something relevant, spectacular, or powerful, and then you will earn the love that you so desire. That voice is a lie. Yeah. Love first. <laughs> love is always first and that is what that is what produces the fruit that we want to see. Not the, all these things that I do then the fruit is love. No. Love is the seed. Yeah. Love is the tree. Mhm. The fruit comes out of that. And so um so yeah. What a fitting benediction. Oh, <laughs> I think. Oh, it's like I. I think it's fantastic. This is a great way to wrap up our conversation, and then the next time we're going to talk a little bit about 
our hearts. Mm. Um, and that and how they're related to the soul, but they're very different. They are very different. You know, yeah. they're a little bit, um, they're tricky for me. They, they are tricky. Because I, yeah. I think I probably deal a little bit, my, my issues, uh, I think it would be interesting. We talk a little bit about, for guys, the connection between our anger and our hearts. Because mm, mm-hmm. it's, I'll just say it, like, we're going to look under the hood a little bit, and it's not pretty. And, and there, um, yeah, even if you look at Scripture, there aren't a whole lot of really good things said about the heart. Yeah. Right. Or they're pretty, they're, they're um, pretty diverse. Right. Or almost uh, on either side of the spectrum. Yeah. Spectrum. Yeah. Um, but it's true. Yeah. Well, yeah. thanks again for listening to this uh, show, Following Chasing Sunday. If you like the show, if you like what we have to say, um, hey, do do a number of things. You can do a lot of things to make us feel loved, um, which is <laughs> this is like to earn your love because we we're can st- earn your love. We are still trying to get to that seed. So while we're searching, <laughs> smash that like button. <laughs> oh god uh, well if you want to help us keep making shows like this yes um would you consider either reviewing it on an apple um podcasts or liking it um and or subscribing, or even subscribing yeah. um or going to torn curtain arts.org and the donate page donating there um this is how this ministry survives it's literally just on the backs of of donors yeah. um who think what we have is valuable and want to see more worship leaders and creatives transformed um and be part of this community so thank you again for listening and uh, we'll catch you again next time yeah did i miss anything no i don't think so okay. i think that's good we'll see you soon well you'll hear us soon yeah i don't know you might see us soon yeah i if yeah, if you do, say hi. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Danny, fade it out. Chasing Sunday is a production of Torn Curtain Arts and distributed by Resonate Media. Your hosts are Brian Davis and Paul Romig-Levitt, with editing and mixing by Danny Burton. Torn Curtain Arts is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and your tax-deductible gifts make our work possible. For more information about TCA and to partner with us in our ongoing work, visit torncurtainarts.org.